Do you want to turn your Bibles to Philippians 4, verses 4 to 9? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the peace of God will be with you. So how peaceful are you feeling? Um, I typed that question into Google the other day, searching for some inspiration for this talk. And one of the websites that came up was called the Spiritual Peace Meter. And so I found myself filling in a questionnaire to find out what my peace rating was. So I had to tell them about, you know, how much do I exercise? What are my relationships like? Am I naturally a peaceful person? And at the bottom of this page, um, there's a results button. So I clicked on it. It turned out that my peaceful rating is 89 out of 113, which I thought was quite good. <laughs> then it gave me my, what my classification was, which is that I am a peaceful presence. So brilliant. Then it gave me some recommendations on how I could become more peaceful. Um, okay, here are some of them. It says, focus on the positive. Start by signing up for your free weekly peaceful moments which are affirmations delivered to your email every Monday. Then it says, you can receive live meditation instruction for 21 days in a row from the comfort of your own home to truly help you develop the habit of meditation. And the last one was hilarious. It says, acknowledge others. Send someone a peace prize or a peace e-card. Tell them how much they mean to you. Small acts of such kindness create more peace for the giver. So I've done all of them, and now I feel very peaceful. (laughs) Um, So basically, what I want to talk about is um, the peace that Paul talks about in this passage, um, what this peace is, and how we can know it better. Um, The other day, I went to to see the Terracotta Warriors at the British Museum. And for those of you who don't know, it was um, this exhibition showing some of the warriors kind of out of terracotta that were made for the first emperor of China. And he'd had these terracottas made so that he could have a whole army looking after him in the afterlife so that he would be totally protected. And I found myself as I was going around this exhibition with talk in mind, thinking how what I was seeing was almost the total antithesis of the peace that God offers Um, This man had spent his whole life building up an empire for himself and then spent all of his time making sure 
that it was protected in the afterlife. It struck me that so much of his motivation must have come through fear and through worry about what would happen if he didn't have his army. So then I was thinking, okay, well, what does God's peace offer in comparison to this? And on so many levels, God's peace comes. It enables us to not worry about the future, to not worry about money or our jobs or what's going to happen tomorrow. It enables us to live in a way that we wouldn't otherwise be able to live, to react to situations, to react to people out of a peaceful way and not out of coming out of stress, coming out of panic. And this peace that Paul is talking about is one of the most amazing gifts that we can have from God. So, how can we know this peace? Something that I feel like God's really shown me through reading about reading this passage is that we mistake God's peace for something that is sort of other than us, that we occasionally feel. And so a, lot of, a lot of the time we think, I need to feel God's peace quick. Go and sit with God and he'll give me a sort of influx of his peace and then I'll, I'll go on my way. And what Paul is saying is that actually knowing God's peace is a two-way thing. God wants us to know his peace and he wants us to know it in an everyday way, in a consistent way, not in a way where it comes and goes. But the way in which we know this peace is through us learning to walk in a daily relationship with God and learning to know his peace through coming to him each day. I think there are three things in this passage that um, Paul talks about that can help us know God's peace better. The first one, practicing God's peace through praise and prayer. Verse 1 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And I looked up what Tom Wright thought this rejoice meant, according to Paul's context. And Tom talks about how it's a public celebration. In a lot of the cities um, where Paul would have been going to, they, um, they used to have these great festivals for all the pagan gods. And what Paul is suggesting here is that the Christians get together in the same way to praise God. But not the pagan gods, obviously. Um, and so I was thinking, well, why does Paul stress praise as a body of Christ to be so great for knowing his peace? And I think it's because Paul knew the power that comes out of praise, especially praising together. Because praise takes us straight into the presence of God. And when we're in the presence of God, we know his truth, we know his promises, we know his love. All of these things are totally opposite to worry, to stress, to fear. So we come into his presence, we know his peace. And the other thing that is so powerful about praise is that the enemy can't stand it. So the enemy who's been trying to feed us with these lies, trying to make us stress, trying to make us worry about things, or if we come into praise, if we come into God's presence, then the enemy has to flee. And so with that, if we're really praising, so does all the lies that he's been bringing along with him. But we mustn't stop there. We mustn't let our praise just be when we come together. The message version 
of verse 4. It says, celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. And this, this translation really struck me because it's the idea of living a life of praise in everything I do, praising God. And when we revel in something, your mind is totally caught up with it. That's, that's all you're thinking about. So if you revel in Jesus, then your mind is going to be caught up with Jesus. We lift our eyes up and we praise Jesus, which takes our eyes off what's going on in ourselves. Takes our eyes off the worry that we have and onto praising God and realising that actually everything with him is, is okay. So that's praise. Then Paul talks about prayer. In verses 6 and 7 of the message version, which you can see I'm quite fond of, says, Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God wholeness, everything together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ places worry at the centre of your life. I love this phrase, shape your worries into prayer. And I have experienced this recently. Um, <laughs> this talk. Um, Friday came and slight panic came with it. As I realised I had quite a few thoughts down, but definitely not in talk version. And inspiration was lacking. And I had a choice. I thought, okay, panic. Not that conducive to getting a talk done. What am I going to do with it? And so I thought, well, I know, I'll, I'll practice what I'm talking about. So I prayed. And I went from panic to prayer to peace. Because I knew that this panic that I had, I'd given it to God. I told him I was stressed about this talk. And he reminded me, well, you, you know, I've asked you to do this talk. I want you to talk on peace. So chill out. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> Don't talk to my housemate Bri later. <laughs> um, anyway, and I've noticed that there's this direct correlation between how much time I'm spending in prayer and how peaceful I'm feeling. Okay, imagine, imagine a horizontal line goes like that. Okay, that is God. That's his peace. That's his consistency. It's totally unchanging. Then this is life. Life goes up and down like a wave. You can't control it. And you can't tell when it's going to go up. You can't tell when it's going to go down. And we have a choice. We can either ride the wave of life, take, being tossed about as it chooses to take us, or we can learn to walk closely to God in prayer. And if we do that, then slowly we're not affected by this as much, but we're affected by God who we're spending time with. And life, it will always go up, up and down. We'll always be affected by it. We can't change that. But we can change how we see it and how we respond to it. And the best way of doing that, Paul is saying, is give it to God in prayer. So, practice peace by praise and prayer. The second point I think Paul mentions 
is creating an environment where God's peace can reside. You become what you think about. I reckon that's quite true. Um, If you imagine your brain is a garden and your thoughts are seeds, then whatever you think about, whatever seeds you plant into your garden, then those are the things that are going to grow into your mind. And the more that you think on those things, the more that you'll water them, the more that they'll grow. So are you going to think on things that are praiseworthy, that are right, that are noble, that build you up, that enable you to see life through God's way? Or are you going to let the world fill you with lies, untruths about yourself, untruths about your situation, untruths about other people? You can either choose to align your mind with God's or to align your mind with the world's way of thinking. And I think that one way of making sure that God's truth always wins is by daily feeding ourselves on his truth through reading his word. God's truth, God's truth is whatever is noble, whatever is true, whatever is right. So the more that we start the day by filling our minds with these things, the more that when the world comes at, comes at us with its lies, Well, we can test them according to the truth we've already sown into ourselves that morning and say, actually, no, I'm I'm not going to let you in because, because I know what the truth is. If we're not feeding ourselves with the truth, then the lies just creep in without us realizing and we have nothing in us to discern otherwise. So create an environment where God's peace can reside by aligning your mind with God's. Then the third point is living in a way that pleases God. It says, put into practice what you have learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. So skipping back to the Old Testament in Numbers 13, we find the Israelites... They've just reached a place called Kadesh. I don't know how you pronounce that, but... Um, and Moses sends, his Israelites, sends some of the Israelites wanting into Canaan to go and spy out the land. And after 40 days, these men come back. And all of them, bar Joshua and Caleb, say that it's impossible for them to go and defeat the people in that land. And so instead of going into the land and trusting God, they actually disobey God. They turn away from him, saying, actually, we're going to go our own way. Ironically, in Numbers 20, they find themselves right back in Kadesh. They've been wandering for these years, but they haven't really got anywhere. And suddenly they've just gone round in a circle and they're back where they started. Now, the Israelites decided not to go into the land of Canaan, which was to be the promised land, because they were afraid of the trouble and the strife that it might cause them, because they might be defeated. But ironically, their not going into that land took them straight into trouble and strife. And further, the land that they were too scared to go into was the only place 
that was going to give them the rest and the peace that they were seeking. And it's exactly the same with us. We choose to go our own way because we think that our own way is going to give us what we want. It's going to give us the peace and the rest that we want. But it won't. We'll just end in a dead end with more trouble, with more strife. Actually, it's only when we go God's way that we can know God's peace. So those are the three things. Prayer and praise. Thinking on what God would have us think on. And living a life that pleases him. I just wanted to end by reading a couple of verses from Psalm 112, which I think sums this up well. It says, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you offer us peace. Lord, I thank you that your peace transcends all understanding, that it isn't as the world would try to give it to us. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help each one of us to walk further into a relationship with you so that we might know that peace every day. Amen.